this morning, and um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna pray again as we open the Word together. As I said, we're gonna be in Luke 16. If you want to open up while we pray, that'll be that'll be good to follow along there. Um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to um, come to you with uh, thanks in our hearts today. We're thankful for all that we have. We're thankful for, um, yeah, just the, the joy it is to meet together. And um, I pray, Lord, today as we open Your Word, as we come to it with a, with a um, sense of humility that we just want to um, receive Your truth, Lord, and nothing more and nothing less than that. And we want that truth to just um, uh, be, be laid over us, Lord, in, in a way that um, we receive Your grace, in a way that we receive um, a promise to hold on to, in a way that we're um, able to be challenged by it, but also, Lord, able to be transformed by the power of Your Spirit. We thank You that the presence of Your Spirit is here with us. We thank You that You can speak to our hearts and our minds today. And I pray that that would be true. Lord, whatever burdens we're carrying, I pray that we'd be able to let them go today. We, um, and, and not just let them go, but actually give them to You. Recognise that You're powerful to, to help us. And um, yeah, with all, with all of this, Lord, with this prayer, we, we just come uh, to Your Word in Jesus' Name. Amen. <clears throat> okay, so today we're opening up to Luke 16, as I said, and we'll be uh, reading the parable of the shrewd manager. Um, you might know it as the unjust steward, um, but whatever you want to call him, the position he holds is, um, I'm just, I just want to explain it a little bit. The position he holds is he's basically um, being paid or employed by a very rich man, a rich master, um, and, and he's being paid to manage the estate for this man. You could imagine he's a wealthy landowner and um, he's, he's renting out his land to other people and he needs someone to just sort of manage the business is kind of how it works. And so what these people do when they buy, uh, rent some land off him, they don't really pay for it up front or week to week. It's the case that they do their farming and they, um, you know, they, they wait for the harvest time and come harvest time, there's, there's a pre- previously agreed upon amount that they would give to the, to the rich landowner, right? It'll be a set amount, um, not always a percentage. In this case, it was a set amount that they knew this was my debt come harvest time. No matter what the harvest ends up being, this is what I have to give to the rich master. And so um, this, was, this is the, the, the situation and the context of what we've got going on in the parable of the shrewd manager. And as I've done my study on the passage this week, I've realised that this is, parable is... Um, kind of difficult to understand and interpret if we just read it as Western readers. You know, if we read it with our cultural lenses and overlay them over the passage, it's really hard to, um, to get what Jesus meant this parable to mean. And so <clears throat> I'm kind of acknowledging at the forefront that you've, you might have heard something different um, out of this parable before. And um, what I'm doing is, is going with what, I, what I've found in my studies and what I truly feel God wants the message to be for today, okay? And so this is, this is um, I just want to acknowledge that at the outset. It's not always so easy <laughs> to, to read the Bible. And sometimes you get a difficult passage and this is one of those ones. And so 
We come, with, we come to the passage with cultural lenses that shapes the way we, we read it and it's not always what we get out of it just as a face value reading isn't always what Jesus' listeners heard. It's not always what um, the readers of Luke's gospel heard. Okay, so um, with that, there's a few difficulties that are worth uh, acknowledging. Um, and so one of, one of them is that um, the verses that follow the end of this parable kind of can shape your um, interpretation of it. So the parable actually ends in verse 8 and then verses 9 to 13 or ongoing, if you, if you include them in the teaching of the parable, it kind of shapes what the outcome of your, what you draw from it is, okay? And so while you can draw some really good lessons about money and truthfulness, um, I don't think that's really the main thrust of what Jesus was trying to teach out of this parable. I think what we're actually better off doing is, as I said earlier, go with the par- uh, parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15, and, and see this parable as kind of like an appendix or a reinforcement of the, of the parable that we've just heard last week from Paul and that I've just read this morning. And so these two parables have some really strong connections and most scholars that I was reading this week seem to be in agreement that, yeah, this is, if you read these two together, if Luke 15 had an extra parable in it, right? They got the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the prodigal son. And then if you add the parable of the shrewd manager in there, you read them all together and, um, you know, that, that would make a lot of sense, right, if that's how they chose to divide up the chapters and verses. So a couple of other things that's worth um, considering as we, as we come to this parable. Um, Jesus' audience was predominantly his disciples. It says right at the start of Luke 16, verse 1, Jesus said to his disciples, but we also know there's very likely bit of a crowd around. That's usually how it goes when he's teaching. And part of that crowd um, is very likely the Jewish religious leaders and the Pharisees, right, um, who are no doubt listening in, trying to catch Jesus out with something he shouldn't have said. And um, these were the strict people. They were the rule followers. They, they loved rules and um, they were well known for following the law to the nth degree. We all know that. And so you could imagine their reactions of hearing this shrewd manager who's really just like a rule breaker, you know, and they, and they hear that he's been accused of um, squandering his master's wealth. Oh, we know what the rules are. We know what judgment he deserves. You know, they, they, they know what punishment he should, should be carried out for him. And they have that kind of, you could imagine them listening critically to how this shrewd manager is treated for his wrongdoings. The rest of the crowd is very likely made up of your common person, right? The peasant types, Middle Eastern peasant types um, who, who laboured for their keep, hardworking, some of them even maybe beggars. Um, and and uh, while they have deep roots in, in the Hebrew scriptures and, and probably culturally observe many of the Jewish laws, um, they also understood the value of wit, and intelligence and protecting themselves, um, you know, and, and, and they were kind of used to being street smart, you know, in the way they provided for their families. There was a sense in which these lower class folks had an understanding that, okay, rules are important, but sometimes, <laughs> you know, they kind of had to be broken, especially if it meant that you were going to be better off and your family was going to be better off, right? This was common Um, A common view about rules in the Middle East in Jesus' day, especially from the lower class, right? Who were his listeners? So this is helpful for us to understand 
as we come to the reading of the, the shrewd manager. So I think in many ways, the actions of the shrewd manager, while we find out they were unjust, they, they were probably held in pretty high esteem from uh, the listeners in Jesus' day, particularly the common people of Jesus' day. They probably thought, wow, he, he really figured it out. He knew what to do. And that was, that was something that to them was a valuable thing. Although they knew it wasn't right what he was doing, they could see that this shrewd manager was somewhat of a hero, kind of like an anti-hero, you know? <laughs> the hero of the story that's, we know, it, we know they're not doing the right thing, but they are the hero of the story. He'd found a way to protect his family, protect himself from the judgment and the consequences that he deserved, right? And he did it in such a way that he comes across like a Robin Hood type of character, you know? Rob from the rich, steal from the rich, give to the poor, reap some pretty good benefits for yourself along the way, all the while keeping your rich master who you stole from in good standing with everyone in the community and all his master has left to do at the end of it, right, in verse eight is just commend him for being so so amazingly shrewd and witty and astute and, um, and wise. And shrewd here is, means all of those things, it means being astute, sharp-witted. It, it's the idea that you can accurately assess the situation and then figure out, how, uh, figure out what action to take to benefit yourself, right? That's what shrewd means. It's the wisdom that allows you to perceive what will be best for you. And in fact, there's a great um, Old Testament word for wisdom that, that kind of translates to self-preservation, right? And so this is the thing that's being praised here, right? It's not his unrighteousness, but he's, he's really being praised to like just blowing everyone's mind as to how he could be so wise. <clears throat> so the trap here, and probably when, when we read it, we're, as Western readers, we get confused and it looks like Jesus is teaching that um, this dishonest manager is being praised because he was dishonest. But that's, that's not the case, right? We, Jesus would never teach that. He always teaches let your yes be yes and your no, no. And, and you know, the truth is, is, is very important. So that's not the thrust of the parable. I think Jesus is very keenly aware though that the rules or the religious laws of his day had become very um, erroneous, uh, overbearing for the common people, that the people had lost sight of why the rules existed in the first place. I think there was some tension there about rules, about dishonesty, about what's right and wrong to do, right? The, 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 the lines of justice weren't always very clear, okay? And I think we, we understand that even today, right? That's, that's pretty, pretty commonplace in our culture. And so we even see Jesus breaking some of these rules, right, in his own life. I, I, might just, I might just say, guys, we are getting to the parable, but all this kind of feeds into it. So bear with me, right? Jesus heals people on the Sabbath. That was, that was breaking a rule. Although the rule was wrong, he was breaking a rule. He sits and eats with the unclean outcasts, right? The ones that no other religious people would sit and eat with. Um, he and his disciples pick grain on the Sabbath, Right? That, was, that was considered work on the Sabbath when you should be resting. He talks with a Samaritan woman. Two, two very wrong things for a Jewish rabbi to be doing. Right? And the list could go on. But I think Jesus allows his teaching to sort of, and his example to just settle into this culture um, in such a way that the religious people observing and listening are outraged. How could he? You know, that type of, 
those people that love the rules and the law. How could he do that? And the lowly and outcast people are, are listening and observing and they're encouraged, right? We see this as Jesus teaches every parable as he lives his life in the Gospels, right? And they find themselves needing to know more because they've not heard of such teachings. They've not seen of such example before, right? And so I think all of this comes into... Um, the, the teaching of the parable that we're looking at today. As we come to our passage today, we, we need to remember that we're coming off the story of, um, off of a, a son who's broken a lot of rules, right? The prodigal son has, has broken some pretty serious cultural boundaries and rules. He's squandered and wasted his wealthy father's money on wild living, right? We know that to be the prodigal son's story. <clears throat> and he read, Excuse me. And he returns to his father knowing that his only hope is to admit his wrongdoing and just rely purely on his father's grace to accept him, right? Even though he's undeserving, right? And those, those points there are very similar to what we have in our story. We're going to see a rule breaker accused of squandering wealth, which is the same Greek word that they use for the prodigal son story. Right? He's wasting his master's money and silently he's admitting that he's, he's guilty. Right? When he's accused, he doesn't defend himself. He's just flat out silently admitting guilt. And then he defi- devises a plan. Just the same way the, the prodigal son says, hmm, you know, I'm sitting here in this pigsty. All of my father's servants are eating better than I am. They're better off. Maybe I should just go back. Right? They both devise this plan. Not got a leg to stand on, but he devises a plan, the shrewd manager does, that relies on the grace and mercy that only his master can show to him. Right? Very similar to the prodigal son's story. And so this story then is not so much today, for today, about money and truthfulness and managing money well and all of these things, but it's about grace. It's about the undeserving sinner receiving grace from a master who should give him judgment, right? And it's the gospel. And it's what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Yeah, and so that, that made me a little bit excited when I come to that conclusion because <laughs> preaching the gospel is important, right? And it's good for us to hear no matter how long we've been in church, it's good for us to hear the freshness of the gospel and the freshness of grace and to hear it from Jesus. So now Luke 16 verse 1 <laughs> Sorry it took so long to get here, but here we are. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. Right, so two things here. The, manager's, uh, the manager doesn't respond, as I said. He's silent and um, this is on every listener's mind in Jesus' day. This is your opportunity to defend yourself you know, or to try and weasel your way out of judgment, and he doesn't. He actually accepts and admits his guilt by just saying nothing at all. And in admitting guilt, now in that moment, you're deserving of going to jail, right? That would have been a pretty good punishment for, for um, squandering someone's wealth and uh, being dishonest. Or instead of doing that, they could have figured out how much you owe and we could have sold you as slaves. You know, you and your family, could have been sold as slaves to pay back what you, what you did wrong, right? So those two things would have left your, your family in a pretty bad position. Um, 
you know, maybe one might have been a bit better than the other or, or so on. Um, but instead, the manager being fired effectively, effective immediately, all he has left to do <clears throat> is to give his master the account books of his estate, right? Which might take him a little bit of time, you know, go and, go and just gather together. He might have been able to afford himself a couple of hours. <clears throat> and so this is what he does. This is what he does. It says, the manager said to himself, what shall I do now? Yeah, it's like that. <clears throat> I got to come up with the plan. What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. He basically has lost his job, but his master just sort of said, go clean up your things and give me the books. I'm not strong enough to dig, right? He doesn't want to go to labouring. And, he, and, he, and it's kind of, he's, what he's really admitting is I'm kind of too weak for that physically. I'm ashamed to beg, which was surprising because begging wasn't, you know, a, uh, an ennoble thing to do. It was like, no, that, that's fair enough if you have to. Like, that's a noble thing to do for your family. But he's too ashamed for that. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses, right? Because if he loses his job and everyone finds out he's been um, dishonest, he's kind of cancelled from society. No one wants a bar of him, okay? So he's got just a few moments to figure this out and he comes up with a plan. It says this in verse five. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? Nine, <coughs> oh goodness, this is happening again. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks, thanks Dave. Um, yeah, 900 gallons of oil, olive oil, he, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. So the first guy gets his bill for harvest time that's yet to come cut in half. That's pretty awesome. Right, the, then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. Okay, so 20% off, awesome. That's a, that's a great thing. Um, thanks, Steph. Appreciate that. Okay, so they've both got a really good Christmas bonus from the manager, right? Let's get a grasp of what he's doing here. If the debtors knew that he'd just been fired, they would never have met with him, right? Oh, we're not going to meet with that scoundrel. He's just been fired. We can't meet with him. But instead, they obliged to meet with him because any urgent meeting with their master's manager is no doubt going to be, you know, some pretty important news from the master. I better, I better come and see what this is about. And so... Um, you know, they, to their surprise, the estate manager tells them that the rich man has been feeling particularly generous. Hey, I've been talking to my master. He said he's feeling really generous. I want to give you guys a bonus. And so um, I've been able to persuade him. You know, you, you could imagine him having this conversation. I've been able to persuade him to cut your, um, your rent, you know, significantly. And each of the, each of the um, changes to their debts were the, were the same in, in sort of a pr equivalent Amounts, so it was 500 days wages each, 500 denarii, right? Both of them got to take that much off their, off their debts. That's like a year and a half um, worth of wages. It's pretty awesome. And so you could imagine the news is spreading now after they've signed the bottom line, changed their accounts. Oh, sweet as. News is spreading amongst the community of the most generous landowner who ever lived, 
right? And, the, and the, the news is spreading. Wow, this is so good. I can't believe the debt's being, being halved or, 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 or reduced by so much. And the news is spreading about this wonderful estate manager, <laughs> you know, who's organised this great Christmas bonus for everyone and organised such a deal. And, and gee, what a great guy. So a few things here. The manager's position now, after being fired and losing everything, has just become secure, right? He's got friends for life in these debtors, right? They'll happily overlook, you know, the reason he lost his job. They'll welcome him and his family into their homes. Man, how much could we do for this guy, right? They've got rose-coloured glasses on at this point. When he, when he leaves the office for the last time today, he's going home to, to a party, basically, is what's happening. So that's pretty wise. That's pretty shrewd. That's, that's uh, very interesting, all the while dishonest. <laughs> okay, the manager has seen how gracious his master has already been to him in not throwing him immediately in jail or s- selling his family as into slavery, right? And now his entire plan of in- significantly decreasing the debts of the farmers in order to have someone help his family out when he leaves the office <laughs> is completely riding on the grace of his m- and-, and mercy of his master, okay? His salvation and out of his predicament that he's in rides on what happens when the master gets the account books and sees that these debts have been reduced. What's he going to do, <laughs> right? But the, the manager is relying on him being gracious again. He's relying on him just going, oh, you know what? I'm just gonna show this guy more grace, even though he's deserving of judgment. What all of Jesus' listeners know at this point is that the rich master would be crazy to go back on the, on the actions of the manager, right? As much as he's losing a lot of money, he's a pretty rich guy, it's probably not gonna put him under, right? Um, but if he goes back on it, it's like, it's like walking into the party that everyone's happening because there's been these great discounts of, of debts and he's kind of just saying, hey guys, actually my manager was fired at that point. That you know, was never really a message from me. And he becomes like this really stingy guy. And, and, and the idea of being generous in that Middle Eastern culture, especially if you are rich, if you're rich and generous, you're like highly esteemed, right? And so to go back on that, now you're, now you're looking like a stingy rich person and it's not a good look. And I don't think those debtors are going to want to farm your land again next year if you're going to do mess them around like this and be stingy, right? And so again, the shrewd manager has put his master in an interesting position. I'm not saying it was right. It was actually very wrong to do that. But he knew he could bank on the grace of the master. He knew he could bank on the one who was able to save him. Right, and so this is, this is where we're coming to the gospel of grace, right? The shrewd manager has realised that his master is so gracious and merciful that he's assuming his master will accept paying for his salvation, paying for his way out of his predicament because there's no way he can do it and there's no way he's deserving, but it has to be a complete gracious act by, on behalf of the master. How are we doing? Are you all with me there? <laughs> Um, I feel like I'm over-explaining, but I'm sorry about that. Let's go to verse eight. This is what it says. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. 
right? He commended the dishonest manager, not because of his dishonesty, but because he acted shrewdly, because he was wise to sort out the bad situation that he was in. For the people of this world, it says, are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. So this parable is talking about the gospel. It's talking about we have an opportunity now to find salvation for ourselves, but you have to rely on the grace of the master and you have to rely on his ability to pay the debt that we owe and his ability to free us from the judgment that we deserve because all of us are like the shrewd manager, you know, in one way or another. That's what this parable is saying. We're all like the shrewd manager. None of us really have a leg to stand on. And, uh, you know, this is the position we're in before we know Christ, before we accept the grace of the master. And it's the position we find ourselves in ongoing. Gee, I haven't really got a leg to stand on. I need the mercy of my master every day. I need him to pay my salvation and pay my way out of this every day. And so as we try and draw some application from this, we need to see that there's a way in which Jesus wants us to be as shrewd as the manager here. He's kind of saying, I wish all the, all the children of God, all the sons of light, all the Christians, I wish all, everyone who followed me was, was as shrewd and as fast acting with regards to their salvation as this, as this manager was. You know, I wish everyone was able to recognise their guilt and then understand that they can't be saved without without me and without the price that I pay, which is Jesus' death on the cross, right? That's, that's the message of the parable of the shrewd manager, right? We could, we could, you know, do another message next week about money and truthfulness and serving two masters in God and money and all that, but that's not what it is. First, it's the prodigal son. It's the one who's messed up and now he's got to figure out a way to, to, to find salvation for himself but you've got to rely on the grace of the master. You've got to rely on the open arms of the father receiving you. And, and you, you, um, it's nothing of yourself, right? That's what salvation is. And so I wonder um, where you see yourself, you know, in that story. If you were to lay that parable over, over your own life right now, over your relationships, over your position before the master, if you like, <laughs> You know, some of us might feel like he's just saying, um, you know, your debt's too great. You know, you can't, you can't be here anymore. And, and the, the challenge for us is to go, actually, God's grace is enough to cover my debt. I'm willing to risk it. I'm willing to say Jesus' death on the cross is enough to cover my debt. Because it is. He's the only one who can do it. There might be, um, yeah, so in some ways, the application could be you might feel like you have debt owing. And the good news is Jesus has paid that debt. He's capable, but it takes admitting, admitting that we need it, just like the shrewd manager. Others of us might need to know and recognise that the parables are about the kingdom of heaven. And there's going to be shrewd managers in heaven, (laughs) you know, people who are undeserving, people who were dishonest, people who did the wrong thing. 
and they're going to receive grace because they admitted their need to be paid out, to have their debts paid out by, by a master who could do that for them, who is Jesus. And so some of us now, the challenge is to know who's the shrewd manager in your life? Who's the one who's undeserving? And how can you, as a way of showing them the way that Jesus paid for your debt, how can you in some ways receive them despite their dishonesty, despite how unjust they've been? How can you do that for others in your life? I think this is the way to have the kingdom of heaven on earth. I think this is the way to, to um, you know, get a glimpse of uh, who Jesus was in our own lives and really what he expects of us as disciples, you know, to be shrewd managers, wise enough to prepare ourselves for salvation. I think that's probably enough. Let's, let's uh, close in prayer and... Um, yeah, I want to invite you to respond however you need to. Uh, maybe there's a way in which we need to settle our accounts, you know, with the master today. Ask him to remove the debt from us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this. And um, yeah, we just come with a sense of humility and we know that uh, all, we, all we have uh, to stand on is, is you and your sacrifice your death on the cross, the debt that you paid for us, Lord. That's all we have to stand on. That's all, all that we can come to you with. And Lord, it doesn't feel right. <laughs> it's actually outrageous that you would be so kind. It's outrageous that you would be so gracious to us and so merciful and it didn't make sense to anyone. Sometimes it doesn't make sense to us, but, but we know that... Um, we, we, we've seen your character. We've seen your grace and your mercy and we wanna to come to you and say, uh, we need it. We admit our guilt today. We admit our need for you today and your, and your son's death on the cross. And we wanna receive that for ourselves. I pray that you'd help us to live in such a way. I pray that you'd help us to act quickly as the shrewd manager did, to preserve our life, not just here on earth, but in, but in heaven. <clears throat> For eternity, God, we pray that in your precious name. Amen.